All right. That was a little 8-bit rich girl. Uh, Chris, do you have a guess? I thought you were going to say the name of the song and I'd get it. Yeah. Does it sound familiar? No, give me a hint. I don't know. Um, a short dude with a sick mustache. <sighs> short dude, sick mustache. Uh, all right, give me another hint. Uh, these these guys, it's a duo. They're famous and Are you talking? suing each other right now. Oh, okay, Daryl Hall and John Oates. <laughs> and I almost said Oates because yeah. I was like, because I've been reading about that. Yeah, you, I've been. We were going back and forth one morning about that. I just read like something came out last night about the the story between uh, what's going on. I'm just completely fascinated. <laughs> uh, anyway, hey, this is Best Frenemies, and I'm Christopher Long, and I'm Johnny. Can't stand you. Do you got to work on something else? I'm Johnny Lasagna. No, no, that's enough. I'm tired. <laughs> That works. Johnny Tire. <laughs> uh, oh, hey, real quick. So uh, with the Hall of Notes thing, I found this out uh, on Thanksgiving. They have a number that you can call, and it's an automated number where they give you, I heard, four choices of Daryl Hall and John Oates songs. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of, uh, um, it's been branded as an emergency Daryl Hall and John Oates uh hotline and you can pick the song and just listen to the song on the phone call so of course i tried it out and uh <laughs> what was the song you went with man eater or uh i'm uh, man eater she comes <laughs> watch out boys she'll chew you up. Hey, hey i just found out recently that uh the song rich girl mm-hmm. she's a rich girl the one i just played yeah uh that's actually about a dude like uh uh, Daryl Hall l- liked this chick, and she had a boyfriend that was like a trust fund baby, some like rich asshole. So he wrote it about the guy and changed it to a girl so he wouldn't get sued. <laughs> which, oh, really? I, which I think is even funnier now, dude. I guess so. Apparently this lawsuit, he's trying to get Oates from selling his share of, I guess, their publishing rights to a company. Uh I don't know exactly how that, that would be like you and I deciding to sell our archive of podcasts <laughs> and me going, no, we got to hold on to the rights. And you're like, fuck you. I'm cashing out. Yeah. And I try to sue you to stop you from doing it. Why wouldn't you let me just have fun with money? <laughs> I mean, I guess. Like, oh, always, Chris, Chris is always trying to protect our art. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess he could probably like, well, dude, just buy him out. How well, much- Hall's obviously... Makes a better living. He's got that like live at Daryl's house TV show where he's always having guests on and stuff. And oh, he does. I think I think Oates. I think Oates is trying to block Daryl Hall from playing their songs because I think what he does is he goes on tour and plays all of their songs, all the hits. He's not supposed to. And Oates isn't getting any money for it or something. I don't know. I'm yeah, going to take I'm, the short dude with the mustaches side because he's mean, short. I kind of think that there should be some sort of uh, like maybe a documentary about this shit because uh, I would watch it. I would watch it. Yeah. I mean, hey, I figured out a name that I will just put it back, fix it in post. Say you're Christopher Long. 
I'm Chris. Hey, this is Bets for Enemies, <laughs> and I'm Christopher Locke. And I'm Johnny Short Hatesan. I went back to my samurai name. <laughs> Dude, you really stopped the show for that one? Fucking nailed it. <laughs> Speaking of uh, San, uh, I know we have done... It's been it's come up a few times um, about your desire to go to Japan. You've never been. Yeah. It's a bucket list. I think it probably snuck in there like... If we won the lottery, what would we do with the money? Go to Japan. Where are our top places we want to go? Japan. Japan. Well, I'm doing your bucket list trip in January. I'm going to Japan with my family. Yeah, and I told you I'm happy for you. I'm just not happy for you. Well, and I'm also thinking that... You need to hit up Jugs because he's been to Japan like no shit, like 200 times. Yeah. Hit up Jugs and he'll... He might even meet you out there. Dude, I would love to. I would love to hang out with Jugs. I'm thinking I need to get um, Little Johnny, a current version, and I don't even know who has the who has the original Little Johnny, the little stuff. Oh, that is. We left Little Johnny in New York. Was it Danny? Does Danny have Little Johnny? Yes. But this Johnny is like a purple belt. It needs to be updated to black belt. And I'm thinking, like, you know. Little Johnny needs to go to Japan and like hey, have a great trip. For for our listeners, the the real quick story on, on Little Johnny is I was, we, they had made a, a plans to go to New York to see our friend open up uh, their gym, Danny Stoffy, and uh, what's his gym's name? Uh, Breathe. Breathe Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. Cool gym. No one thought I was going to get, I was married at the time. No one thought I was going to get permission to go on the trip. So what they did is they took a picture of me and my gi and made a small pillow doll. Yeah, super. I mean, what, <laughs> what was that? Like 12 inches tall or something? <laughs> yeah, which everyone proceeded to say, oh, it's taller than the real Johnny. You know, it's Assholes. short jokes. I mean, it's just Assholes. like, it's like ball jokes, dude. It's yeah. like, that's the best low, you got. Low hanging fruit. Yeah. Low hanging fruit. Yeah. So, yeah, this doll was making the scenes. We are taking pictures with it. Um, right out the gates, the the stewardesses were taking pictures with little Johnny uh, yeah. in the back of the plane. <laughs> <laughs> little Johnny had a great time. And I'm thinking little Johnny's going to have a fucking banger time in Japan. Oh, we got to make a little Johnny. Doll. Oh, dude, that'd be fucking hilarious. Even Jamie's on board with this. I said, we've got to make like a little... I'm... I'm I mean, actually, Japan's been a bucket list trip for me, too. But it's I was like, I'm stealing Johnny's bucket list trip. Hey, little Johnny's a black belt now, so it deserves Japan. And speaking of black belts, I want to give a special shout out to Jimmy Big Cat for finally getting his oh, I do. black belt in, uh, in fucking Australia, mate. Dude, you know what? It was fucking super weird because I felt like Jugs... Should have warned us and let us know. Well, that would have been nice. But... That he had uh, Jimmy at like purple belt for fucking ever, and it was kind of like, dude, when the fuck are you gonna promote him? Like, he was like purple belt for fucking ever. And I've noticed that every professor really takes it to heart when we ask when they're gonna promote one of their students. <laughs> you know what? This is I'm thinking about. You know the the showy role they have that hotline where they play on social media where people leave like messages right? or whatever. I think I need to call in and do one on like, you know what? Professors need to calm the fuck down with promotions. Like <laughs> it's, I mean, it's like such a weird, like, Oh, 
you mentioned it? Oh, but you just tacked on another year. <laughs> like, dude, really? <laughs> like, fucking calm these, down. These traditions. Dude, <laughs> so stupid. Uh, I, I got in trouble for saying oast too many times uh, going out of class the other day. You know, I've been in the line where you've done that. And, I, you know, when you told me this it's, story. It's hilarious, dude. No, Rob, I mean, no, I get why you got in trouble. Rob Perlman and I were, were, were yeah, everyone's going, you line up and everyone goes by and you, you slap hands. And Rob Perlman and I kept going, oh, oh, motherfucker, oh, and then Tynan stopped in front of me and he's like, stop that. I'm serious. And I was like, okay. And then Rob looked at me and goes, it was fun while it lasted. You know what? I have a, a resentment with Rob Perlman. Is that I heard the story and I sent a little. It was the guy from Princess Bride. <laughs> Stop saying that. I mean it. <laughs> no reply. Nothing. Well, Rob's married. Has a small child at home. And he's busy opening Pokemon cards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just don't have time to reply to a text because I'm opening Pokemon cards. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Rob. <laughs> uh, hey, all right. Um, I do want to say that, uh, you know, I insisted that we record today because uh, I'm starting a new job on Monday. And uh, and uh, who knows? I just might be so busy now with work that... Uh, oh, you're quitting the podcast too? <laughs> I understand completely. <laughs> I understand completely, Johnny. <laughs> Congratulations on that. Uh, <clears throat> You're happy for me? You're just not happy for me? Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy for you. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Moving on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, real quick, though. I have a comment to make. And yeah. I just want to get this out of the way. My fucking basketball team is really bad. Uh, the Jazz? Yeah, yeah, that's my fucking basketball team. Dude, <sighs> I just read an article today that said, all right, 15 games underway in the season. They've played 15 games. Uh, and this writer is already... And this is like a Utah Jazz beat writer who are usually kind of like fans of the they're, team. They're on it. They know that they're not a... Uh, a what is that? A, a market team. What do you call those? What's the Lakers? They're like a big market large, team. Large, large market team. Big market team, yeah, yeah. They, uh, well, this writer is just like, you should fucking blow up the team, get rid of, trade Jordan Clarkson, like, get rid of, uh, was it TNT? I always fuck up his name. What That's the, all you need to say. Torrance. Yeah, some Horton. <laughs> Torrance Hurt Taylor. I don't know, whatever. Uh, yeah, so I'm just kind of like, whatever. Uh, my my dad's moving out here, and we're planning on watching games. I feel like I'm just going to be like low expectations through the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, you're supposed to come over and watch the the Lakers Jazz game, and I'm very happy you didn't. That would have been extremely uncomfortable because oh it happened to be this one time. The Lakers suck at making threes. They made everything that night. They uh, were at one point they were up 39 points. I was like, oh my god, I'm so glad Chris isn't here right now. I actually had a work. Uh, thing. I had to drive up to Fresno, and uh, as I was driving home, I knew the game started at, like, I think, 5 or something. At, like, 5.20, my phone starts blowing up. Laker chicken? Dude. No, actually. Oh, no, he did. No, he. yeah, he hit me up. A bunch of people. I mean, usually, like, half a dozen people that give me shit. 
And I kind of started seeing the names, and I'm like, oh, you I'm just like, figured. No need to my, read. My team's getting smoked. I mean, it's like they don't freaking light me up to go. Wow, your team's killing it. You know. You know so. what, Chris? I have honored our truce ever oh, since. Oh no, the you day, didn't say anything. Ever yeah. since the day we made the truce. Oh yeah, we made the truce. We gave each other shit, and then I realized like Johnny <laughs> is much time. is like the fucking uh, the gold standard of like resentments and grudges and uh, going to war. And I was just like, dude, I'm tapping out. I can't do this. Like I, I, I'm Johnny. You win. Speaking of that, the new Napoleon movie on uh, Apple Plus. Hold on, is it on? I th- is it going to be theaters in Apple Plus? I know eventually it's going to make way to Apple I Plus. was under the impression it was in the theaters, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I'd it, be stoked if it wasn't because I'll be watching it sooner rather than later. It's getting mixed reviews, but I can't wait to see it still. You know what? I read a... I didn't read the whole article, but I read a thing that Ridley Scott, the director, uh, is getting shit for not being historically accurate. And I guess he's the quote that I saw was like, well, were you there? Then shut up. Like, really? Yeah. Like, apparently he's just like, I guess we got tons of shit from Gladiator and he's just, you know. Oh, they're making a Gladiator too now also. Yeah. That seems kind of. Dude, first movie was. First movie was really good, so. I mean, but isn't it supposed to be a prequel? Is it? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm either me, way. Give, me, if more, it's give a pre- me more gladiator shit, dude. If it's a fucking prequel, like, Russell Crowe, I mean, it's freaking old, dude. That was like 20 years ago. Dude, like super macho movie, Chris. What's not <laughs> macho about a couple of guys oiled up with, with knives and tigers? <laughs> macho, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> What's greasy and fucks like a tiger? <laughs> quit, quit pointing at yourself, dude. That's, no one can see you pointing at yourself right now. All right. Hey, in this episode, we have top five uh, favorite cars in movies slash television shows. Did you do television show? I think I did all movies. I think I did all movies, too. Yeah. I have a controversial one. My number one is controversial. Um, and then... Uh, we have a guest coming in. It's one of our... We do have a guest, um, Uber Secret. Like, are we gonna like modulate his voice so no one can recognize him? No, he's just gonna have a different name. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna have to know what this name is because currently I don't know. We'll figure it out. But he has uh, some uh, wellness clinics, right? I, I mean, I guess I don't know. I know what he does, but I don't know you the guys, logistics. <laughs> you guys are gonna love it. <laughs> and then we're going to recommend some shit. You know what you're going to recommend? I do. Uh, so do I. All right. Right on. So I feel like we're a little prepared. So let's see if we can get the top five done before he gets here. So let's go. Chop, chop. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing out of Costa Mesa, California, two of the meanest podcasters in the game. Both Brazilian jiu-jitsu artists with a background in being family men. Chris and Johnny from Best Frenemies. We salute you on this day, savages. Ha! Hey guys, it's uh, Johnny and Chris here from Best Frenemies, and our buddies over at Magic Mind sent us a nice little care package the other day. Chris, we've been trying these for about three days now. What are your thoughts on it? 
You know, I, I actually like it. I was a little skeptical. Uh, you know, this is supposed to give you energy, increased focus. I mean, it almost seems like an all-natural, you know, over-the-counter Adderall. And uh, so my expectations were pretty high, but it did not disappoint. It's actually, you know, and I drink energy drinks in the morning mm -hmm. and I drink this. I don't get jitters and it seems to complement my energy drink. That, see, that's what I love about it. It doesn't take, you don't have to remove your coffee to have it. You can actually pair your coffee with it. And what I've seen is I have my coffee, then I have this. And that kind of stops me from wanting to go get another coffee in the middle of the day. I do like the increased uh, focus because um, I'm super busy right now in my life. And I really need to have that extra oomph to uh, zero in on what I got to get done today. I like it. Each shot of Magic Mind contains a science-backed blend of 13 powerful ingredients, such as lion's mane mushrooms and ceremonial-grade matcha. I don't even know what that means, but uh, the end result is uh, a Magic Mind. Yeah, and it tastes good, too. So if you go, if our tens of fans go to magicmind.com forward slash frenemies, you can enter a discount code frenemies 20 yes uh so uh tell them um the best frenemies sent you two thumbs up what's up bitches and now back by popular demand it's time for best frenemies top five list all right thanks for that intro donnie darko <laughs> hey did, did you record that <laughs> no but oh, damn it Chris, yeah. Chris was beating up his mic like it owed him money. <laughs> <laughs> like I did to myself last <laughs> night. I was all over myself. Couldn't get enough of yourself. Jeez, man. First <laughs> it was like in the kitchen, and then it was freaking, it was on the sofa. That was amazing. Anyway, all right. Uh, top five favorite cars for movies. Johnny, what is your number five? Well... Since I sent you my list like five times, let me find it. Five. Okay, I'm here. You sent me once. Okay. Once. <laughs> All right. Top five cars for movies. Coming in at number five, I have, dude, Batman Begins car, the uh, Batmobile uh, Tumblr. How fucking rad would it be to have that thing? Go anywhere. Traffic on the 405? Yeah, but forget the, about the it. The thing is, you know what? I just think it's funny that we're doing this top five, and you don't like to drive. And you do everything in your power not to drive. So would having one of these cars make you want to drive? I would drive it to the grocery store to get coffee <laughs> every day, Chris. <laughs> You're like, there goes there's, Johnny must be getting coffee. I see the Batmobile Tumbler parked yeah. in front of Ralph's. It probably is like freaking two gallons to like 12 inches. Worth it, dude. <laughs> Worth it. All right. My number five is from the 1971 movie Harold and Maude where the main character, Harold, is given his parents, he's come from a rich family. Have you seen that movie? Have I seen that movie? Yes. Okay. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite movies. I've never heard you mention it. Cat uh, Stevens says the whole soundtrack. Whatever. Uh, so you know the soundtrack. You know I'm a music <laughs> head. <laughs> do, you, yeah. do you want me to name the card? Anyway, <laughs> anyway, shut up a second. 
The main character. This is my list, asshole. Hey, go. Go. Uh, it comes from a, a wealthy family, and his parents buy him like a, a Jaguar Roadster, and he's preoccupied with death. He's always like f- doing, faking like he's committing suicide. <laughs> And he, so he has the car made to look like a hearse. And it, it is probably one of the fucking coolest. It's, it's I so mean, fucking bad. First of all, when he's given the car by his rich parents, he, you can tell the look of disgust on his face when he is given this beautiful automobile. Doesn't, do, doesn't you see like the, the slide of the garage and a blowtorch <laughs> like when, when, when he gets it? Dude, dude it. That car, I mean, either version. I would take Dude. just the car itself or then Harold's uh, Pimp My Ride hearse style. Uh, Dude, amazing. Amazing. So that's my number five. My list is way better than yours so already. So far. I, Dude, I do. You wouldn't. All right, hey, I actually put some thought into this. Well, you All should. Right. You've had like three more weeks to put your <laughs> list together. What's your number four? Coming in number four. Uh... The 1972 Ford Gran Torino Sport from the movie Gran Torino. You know, the best part is the end where he's like, <sighs> the, the lawyer's reading out all the shit he can't do, and it's just like racist. Super racist. <laughs> like, like at, the, at the end, it's like, ah, oh, he stayed true to the end. Yeah. He's like, I don't be doing any of that. And yeah. you're just like, whoa. Dude, yeah. The kids kind of like smile, though. They're just like, Oh, yeah. dude, he's just smiling, and it's, yeah. But, dude, how cool was that car? No, it was a cool car. It was a cool car. He I think, worked, he I think worked that, on the line. He worked on the line for Ford. The way they say he got in the movies, he worked on the line. He drove it off the line, parked it, and <laughs> never drove it again. Dude. Yeah. That, it was in pristine condition. I think that might be one of Jamie's like dream cars, Grand Torino. Yeah, dude, yeah. I think it's sick. Um, all right, my number four is... Uh, hold on. The 1985 Toyota SR5 Extra Cab 4x4 and from Back to the Future. Marty's car at the very end. His dream car? Yes. And it's like... I just put an extra cool wax on it for you, Marty. <laughs> Dude, fucking when I, was, when I saw that movie... You know, when that came out in the 80s, I was like, fuck, dude, I would love that car. Like, were you blasting Huey Lewis in the news when you, when you said that? (laughs) I want a new drug. (laughs) 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 Uh, Dude, that car was so pimp. I would drive one of those cars now. Like the old school Toyota 4x4, (laughs) man, those were cool. And you knew it was Toyota, so it would run forever. (laughs) You know? All right, Johnny, what's your number three? Um... Coming to number three would be the 1961 Ferrari 250 GT California from the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Dude. That's a, You know what? To be totally honest, though, I mean, I get the whole storyline, but why did Cameron have to destroy the Never car? was okay with that. Never, Dude, never, like, ever was okay with that. I mean, it's just like, hey, I put miles on it. Fuck it. We're going to have a little conversation. But destroying the car, I mean, at the very end, he didn't think it was going to go out the window. Hey, what the fuck do you think is going to happen when you start kicking a car, dude? But the thing, like, kicking the headlights and shit? Yeah. Like, I never got that part. Because like, he cared more about that thing than he ever did his trial. <sighs> yeah. I mean, still. It was ridiculous. I, I know. A it's ludicrous. Bit, 
right. Uh, my number three is in the classic movie Fletch, the white Alfa Romeo that uh, F- Fletch steals and he's outrunning the cops. Remember the, the kid? He actually stopped a kid from uh, stealing the car. And he's like, dude, am I going to get in trouble? I stole his car. He's like, I don't even think stealing cars. <laughs> I don't even think that's a, you get in trouble for that anymore. But he's <laughs> evading on the freeway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I fucking wanted an Alfa Romeo so bad for so long. It's such a cool car. That little white number. And I hate Chevy Chase. Like, I, dude, but Fletch? Fletch was fucking funny. Yeah. I love Fletch. They, you know they did another Fletch with John Hamm? Yeah, I didn't I tried, see that. I tried watching a little bit of it, really? and, I was just, and I was just like, meh, not yeah. my Fletch. Yeah. All right, what's your number two? My number two could easily be my number one, but my number one just has more memories as a child. So my number two, the Pussy Wagon from Kill Bill. <laughs> you know what? I've seen Kill Bill. I'm kind of drawing a blank on the pussy Dude, wagon. it was the truck, mm-hmm. and it said in huge letters, the pussy wagon. And to this day, Quentin Tarantino uh, owns the pussy wagon. And when he goes to like high-profile meetings in L.A., he will, he will park it in front of like the Ivy or wherever the, the hip spot is and, and pay the guy out front $100. He'll give him $100 and be like, leave this out front the whole time, please. What, oh, what's the pussy the, wagon. Yeah, but what's the significance of leaving it out front of a hipster? So everyone sees it when they're pulling up, dude. Nah. <laughs> that the pussy wagon's parked up front, which I think is hilarious, dude. You know what? The thing is, he used to drive. I read an interview with him. Uh, so the uh, in Pulp Fiction, then John Travolta has his car. Mm-hmm. Um, that convertible number. That was Quentin Tarantino's car. But the thing is, he's like, dude, I drive like day-to-day stuff. I mean, I drive a Geo Metro. Like, he, he drove a Geo Metro. I, no, I see it. All right. Yeah, I remember that now. I remember that. I just showed pitch. Chris you know, I'm going to say Kill Bill is not my favorite. What? It's not my favorite. Quentin you got to have one and two together. They count, as, they count as one movie. Yeah, dude. Felt like it was like Lord of the Rings. They really needed to trim the story. No way. Yeah. Anyway. I, I highly disagree. All right. Do you enough. like Jackie Brown more than Kill Bill? Yes. I thought Jackie Brown was kind of boring. It had some great parts in it, but I thought it was kind of boring. All right. Hey, my number two, the 1976 AMC Pacer from Wayne's World. Uh, <laughs> See, I always thought that was a gremlin when you told me that. Dude, Jamie and I came really close recently to buying a Pacer from her, I guess, second cousin. And we were prepared to do it. And... But then we found out, we did a little research, that the smog getting certified is still within the, the range of, like, we kind of get fucked in California. And if you can't pass, I mean, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. You can't do yeah, anything. Yeah, you can't just, be on the road. Yeah, it's just. Can't so, get it registered. Came really close to buying it. So I'm not, this isn't just throwing that out as a dream car. That's, like, almost bought that dream car. But, yeah, so that's my, my number two. Uh, all right, Johnny, what's your number one? My number one is the Trans Am from the Smoking the Bandits movies. You know, I see. I have that. Oh, right there. Yeah. There I, it is. I have, you know, Jamie put that on uh, 
uh, Thanksgiving was two days ago. Put that on a pumpkin pie and had the whipped the cream, whipped cream? coming out. <laughs> yeah, like it was spilling out. Uh, yeah. Oh no, Jamie and I, we both agree. Like that's another one of our Dude, dream cars. If I had that car, I wouldn't even stop at red lights. Those would just be options. Dude, yeah, that's and, a cool car. And uh, I'd grow a mustache and have a bumper sticker on it that said, free mustache rides. <laughs> you should do it. Yeah, that sounds... You should do it. What could go wrong? <laughs> All right, my number one, this is a controversial, and you might be getting a little mad with me, but my number one vehicle from a movie... I already know where this is going. I'm going for a motorcycle. Uh, and I fucking, dude, I would buy this in a heartbeat. Uh, <sighs> David Fincher's version of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. There is a Honda CB350 Cafe Racer uh, that uh, she drives around. Oh, dude, that's fucking. Just super tricked out. I mean, it's just beat up. And the thing is, I read. Things I had an old CB uh, CB five hundred, and I mean, dude, they fucking break down. It was like nineteen seventy six. So David Fincher, they were, you know, the guy came to him and was like, "Hey, let's do this old Honda." He's like, "Dude, I don't want my production to be shut down because of bikes." So they had like six of them, yeah. just in case one broke down. Anyway, that car is tricked out, um, or that bike fucking tricked out of course you just had to you had to throw on one motorcycle i know well that's i mean if but I had, you know what you rode motorcycles so i get it i get it you should have done top five vehicles well you know what well, that's well, why i said it was controversial pick <laughs> all right anyway that is best frenemies top five dream cars slash motorcycles from movies Okay, Chris, we have a special guest with us today. We have Michael, who, uh, who's done some psychedelic facilitatorship, right? You know, it seems like this, uh, dealing with trauma through medicine that Johnny and I would just, you know, abused. Uh, <laughs> and I'm super intrigued. I mean, it's for, like ketamine. They've talked about ketamine, which is something I used. Treat. I mean, I'm not throwing that in with what we used you to dealt with, but I was working, uh, with, I, I was working with ketamine last night, so it's all good. See, and to me, <laughs> dude, I just got fucked up on ketamine. We just wanted so, to go down the K hole and now people are treating it for PTSD. Chris, we were treating PTSD and we just didn't know it. Yeah, okay. On a Friday uh, night. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I'm super, and there's someone, I mean, I won't mention any names, but someone we know that um, is kind of following a similar path to us, you know, like sober and went to... Um, uh, turn, turn up his volume in his headphones. Or turn it down a little bit. 
Turn it down. There you go. You, is that good? Yeah, it's good. Okay. Uh, a friend who is sober who went, I mean, I think it was ayahuasca, right? That did, was in a really bad place dealing with trauma. Ibogaine, I, I, I too, is another one that people are doing. Okay. Yeah, we could talk about <laughs> no. that. Uh, anyway, so, I mean, I'm really curious with like, I mean, I would like to know more about treating trauma, how it treats trauma, and then someone being a psychedelic facilitator. Like, what, what does that mean? Yeah, it is, um, it's been one heck of a journey and an experience. I would say you got to, I got into it by treating myself and healing myself first. And usually it's some type of, you know, catalyst event in your life that, that opens you up and says, how the fuck did it come to this? Was it a divorce? Was it a bankruptcy? Was it a DUI? Was it the death of a spouse? Did you just, you know, were, did you, were you cheated on? Did you cheat? I mean, what the, like, it's like so egregious and you're so hurt about something. You're just on your knees and you're just like, how did it come to this? And for me, it was a breakup. It was a breakup with somebody who I'd known for 30 years. And it was, you know, narcissist abuse, domestic violence. I had to call the police on this girl. She ended up getting thrown in jail. She was a doctor. I loved her. I mean, it just goes, it's, yeah. just, it's just messy beyond messy. And I had to look myself in the mirror and say, what the F, dude, you, you caused all this, you know? And, and I've been divorced twice. So I had relationship issues. My mom was a single mom feminist and kind of turned me into a beta boy growing up. <laughs> and so I had to just kind of deconstruct and reprogram myself. But it started with this, I've got these crazy bad situations with women and it's, and it's fucking my life up. And so this took me down this road of, you know, self-inquiry and counseling and jujitsu and energy work. And then eventually I got to psychedelics and my first intro to psychedelics was San Pedro and San Pedro is a psychoactive cactus drink. And a buddy of mine who I'd been working with in San Diego calls me on a morning on a Saturday morning. And he says, you know, we're working on a venture capital deal. And he's like, Hey, what are you doing? at 11 o'clock today. And I said, I'm on the mat. I'm, I'm a purple belt. I'm going to be doing jujitsu, right? This is what I do on a Saturday morning. He goes, well, I got these friends of mine who were doing this San Pedro medicine ceremony in North San Diego County. And do you think you'd like to come? And I'm like, Whoa, San Pedro, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, you know, we, 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 we drink this, 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 uh, this concoction, and about 20 to 30 minutes into it, you're going to start feeling, you know, you're going to start feeling the energies. And I'm just like, do, 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 do. Okay. <laughs> and before I knew it, literally, I had no idea that morning I was going to go three and a half hours later. I'm in San Diego at this event with a bunch of hippies dressed in white robes and, you know, namaste and om and, you know, uh, shalom, shalom and all this kind of stuff. And I just felt like a complete fish out of water because I literally thought I was at a cult. You know, yeah, yeah, how yeah. many, how many people? Probably 35 people. Okay. How long, like, uh, it was brutal. How long is the trip before? It's so we, we went in probably around 12 o'clock. I had an intention. I took a second dose of this drink, uh, probably around three thirty, and it went till four in the morning. Oh wow. yeah, I, that's, I, I that's was like peyote. So, is I was it so similar? Congested. I was so congested. I was. It, it was. It was brutal. It was really hard on me. But that was my entry into psychedelics. Is, is and that work? Is that stuff similar to peyote? 
believe it or not, I've not done peyote. I, I would say because it's co- a button. Peyote's a button. They, they, they call it grandfather, right? Okay. So that's grandfather medicine, where ayahuasca is grandmother medicine. So San Pedro's a daytime medicine. Okay. And the Aya, she's a nighttime medicine. So a little bit different, but that was my entry point into this, into this. So when I want to back up, when you said you were congested, I mean, are you like psychologically? I mean, I assume energetically. Okay. Will you expand on that a little bit? Like, what does that mean? So if you, so that was maybe what three and a half, four years ago. And today, you know, we're all you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more aware of like chakras and auras and, um, you know, the flow of energy, you know, from, from my heart and from my, from my third eye and my pineal gland and my crown chakra and being grounded. All of that was congested. I, I had this medicine and, and also I'll, I'll tell you, um, having worked, I'll just do a side, side note here with MDMA and LSD and mushrooms and ketamine and, uh, 5-MeO-DMT and regular DMT and Ibogaine, I've come to the conclusion that these medicines, these molecules are tools and technologies. They're tools and technologies that open up frequencies and portals to higher energies for you. But it's just a way for you to reconnect with your higher self, right? That's what that is. And so um, for that energy to flow, you need to have clear, you know, you, they need, needs to be cleared. And my, my energy was really congested. I was really in my head. I was really uptight, right? I wasn't chilled out, right? And as I am today. So I, you mentioned DMT and I know a little, I was researching a, a story and I mm-hmm. kind of looked into that and I had the, you know, an analogy that I heard about that. And to me, it sounds terrifying. I mean, it sounds like 10 minutes of like <laughs> freaking terror, but someone described it as, it's like, you know, defragging a PC computer where you're kind of like putting everything and like it's all scattered all over the, you know, the hard drive and you kind of put it into an area and you're kind of clearing up. I mean, is that, have, I mean, have you, I mean, done DMT? I've done DMT and 5-MeO DMT, which is a, which is different. So 5-methoxydimethyltryptamine and then dimethyltryptamine. They're both, they're just, think of it like this, guys. And whoever's listening, all of these psychedelics or these medicines, they all operate on different frequencies. One might be 94.6, one might be 98.2, one might be 93 point whatever. And so you go from maybe marijuana, which I think is a very low vibration medicine, all the way up to 5-MeO-DMT, 5-methoxydimethyltryptamine, also known as Bufo. That's like the God molecule. You smoke that and you're like literally blasted off into God consciousness in less than 15 to 20 seconds, right? And that's like an NDE. That's like having a near-death experience. So, in, so it's this spectrum of, of, of energies and technologies that open up when you're working up with this stuff. So a question with like different frequencies, like so how do you, or how would you recommend to someone picking which frequency they need it's to great, work on? Yeah, it's a great point. So I would say... Um, Let's back up for a second. What what are you called to do? Where are you at, right? And I think a very good um, kind of when anybody's working with psychedelics is the choice of the facilitator is critical. Always have a facilitator. This needs to be done with 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 clinical or spiritual intent, right? If you're doing it as a party, if you're doing it for fun, I think you're opening up the wrong the wrong energies and you're attracting the wrong, the wrong stuff, right? It's not going to work the way it could. So who's the facilitator? 
right? Or do they have a background? Do they have integrity? Do people know them? Do you know, have you spoken to them? What's their credentials, right? Understand who's the facilitator. The third part, the, the second part is what's the setting, right? Are you doing it at a, are you doing it outside? Are you doing it in a group setting? Are you doing it with a small group of people? Is this one-on-one? -on -one? For me personally, I don't do any more big groups of medicine with people. It's literally like unprotected orgy sex, right? Yeah. You open up <laughs> all kinds of craziness and who knows what you're going to get, right? Right. Especially with Aya, right? Or ayahuasca. I just won't do big groups ever again. Yeah. And these are all lessons learned, right? <laughs> uh, the third one would be uh, the type of music they're going to play because the music is very critical to working with the medicine, right? This gets really, um, when people are working with ayahuasca, they have ikaros and the ikaros, um, which are the songs that the tradition, that the shamans play or the medicine man or the medicine woman play will literally guide the medicine. And so they work very closely together. So what kind of medicine, pardon me, what kind of music is the person playing? And then uh, what medicine are you gonna work with? I think a really good entry point for most people, you know, and I'm not a doctor, but I would say, you know, you're, you're assuming that people, um, are somewhat mentally stable, that they don't have psychiatric conditions, right? They don't have physical conditions. But MDMA is a really good entry point to start because it is, it's not really a psychedelic, right? You're not gonna see a ton of visuals like you will on DMT or 5-MeO-DMT or LSD or, 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 or mushrooms. MDMA is a heart opener, right? It's this, it's the, ser it's the serotonin, it's the dopamine, it's, you know, it's all of these chemicals that get released and get dumped into your body and it opens your heart. So it really kind of turns the mind off and you go into this really warm heart space for, you know, three, four, you know, five hours. Yeah. I heard that so, that so, was so, first so, introduced as for couples counseling was, I, I actually don't know about that. I know, I know MDMA, I believe came from the forties and fifties, like big pharma was really big into that. Um, but I could tell you from personal experience, it's fantastic my experience like with my girlfriend and my partner who's my fiance now congratulations is, thank you is that um mdma is great for couples counseling and why is that it's because you can t have the brutal discussion about the most triggering toughest things and say you know i hate it when you did that well thank you for sharing me i really don't like it when you do this thank you hey you know what i want to go have a threesome with these other people over there and like oh you do well, i don't know if i'm into that you know i mean you can have these really triggering conversations without getting triggered and, and I've, I have found it to be extremely effective. It's like, so there, there's, everything's on the table. Um, and, and MDMA has been great. The challenge with MDMA is you have to be careful of not to use it on a regular basis. You need at least 90 to 120 days break to get it out of your system. Because if you don't do, if you use it be, you know, uh, more frequently, you actually can get nerve damage yeah. in, in your body. And I've seen the slides. It's true. Well, I know people have got nerve damage because yeah. they did it every 30 days and didn't give themselves a break. <laughs> <laughs> it can put like Swiss cheese holes in your brain, dude. Wow. Uh, so with like, I mean, talking about a facilitator, I mean, you're saying the importance of that. Like what is, you know, a realistic expectation of what a facilitator will do? Where will they direct you? Where will they keep you? Uh, I mean, because when I think of that, like, you know, the show Mad Men, and there's a part, I can't remember what season, but it was like everyone was doing LSD. Okay. And they had facilitate, and it was just like, so they don't have a bad trip. Like, is that, I mean, just in layman's term, is that kind of what a facilitator does? Yeah, I, I think that exactly right. It's not, it's that you can't, you can't uh, stop somebody from quote unquote having a bad trip. They're going to react with the medicine 
the way they're going to react with it, right? You, there's a saying in this, in this kind of community, you don't get what you want, you get what you need from the medicine. And sometimes that's a bad trip, right? Sometimes that's a bad experience, but it, it, there's a reason for all of it. For me, I believe a facilitator needs to um, act with 100% integrity. Like they're looking out for your best interest. They're making sure you don't hurt yourself, right? They're making sure that you're going to come through this okay in a loving, safe way, right? So what does that mean? I have had people purge, throw up, vomit, uh, defecate. Yep. I've had people attack me, right? Oof. I've had people attack me where something else came through them. Um, I've had people want to call, whoa, whoa, whoa. want to you- fight me. You know, in, in, in medicine. Like, what did you give me? What did you give me? I'm a, I'm, I'm a good Catholic boy. How could you possibly do this to me? And this is, their, this is their ego talking. Because ultimately, these medicines, these molecules are, they're, they're rewiring your brain. Yeah. They're, they're, they're doing ego dissolution, right? You're going into higher places, and that ego starts to get dissolved a little bit by little bit. And sometimes it fights back hard, Right. So, so there's a lot of, go ahead. I know Chris wants to talk. Well, no, I mean, there was a, um, you know, back in the day, like I took, I mean, in high school, I took like a quarter tab of LSD. I mean, it wasn't enough to, it was just, it got me fucked up kind of thing. And I remember people talking, oh no, you did it wrong. Like you'll never be the same way. You know, you'll look at the world, you know, differently. I mean, is that true? I mean, do you feel that like you do these medicines and it's like, will fundamentally change how you perceive yourself in the world. The answer is yes, but it's really about intent and how you go about this. Um, again, for me, when I did that San Pedro experience, that was the first time I had ever worked with a psychedelic. Um, I'd worked with alcohol, but I hadn't worked with a psychedelic and I hadn't worked with a, in a medicine and a shaman, you know, ceremonial, uh, you know, setting, the the place where I'm at today, um, I don't suffer like I used to suffer, right? I'm I I, I am in a place of um, real connectedness to my heart, which is the my higher power. I think or God. I I think the the way you can only integrate these experiences, at least for me anyway, is through a non duality lens, meaning a spiritual lens. You know, you go do. Bufo, you do ayahuasca, you do MDMA, you, maybe you stack the medicines, which I've gotten, I've, we, we work with stacking the medicines sometimes. And then what, right? And then what do you do? You got to integrate this stuff, right? And again, this is kind of a mind, body, spirit. And for me, I didn't want to suffer. I wanted to be in abundance. I wanted to have inner peace. I wanted to be calm. And then it got to, how do I connect with God more? How do I have God, you know, you know, you know, work in my life and guide me and uh, for what God wants to do. That that's been my journey, and that's where I've gotten most of my my uh, my inner peace. So, is there, um, you know, like people going like you know, a friend of mine who's a chiropractor that he's like, people come in, and it's just like a one and done. Like, hey, you'll get adjusted, you'll feel better, and you're gone. And he's like, well, that's kind of not how it works. It's like going to the dentist once. You don't just go to the dentist once. I mean, with this kind of, you know, medicine or these kind of therapies, is it like, you know, are you having to kind of, you know, keep maintenance work on this? Or is it, I mean, is that yeah. the expectation that you're going to keep? It's all relative, man. It's, it all depends on the individual. I mean, 
you know, I've served over a thousand people with Bufo, which is the toad medicine, right? <laughs> which is, you know, five methoxydimethyltryptamine. There are some people that uh, did it once and I never saw them again. There's others that would come back literally every quarter, right? And, and hey, I need some more, I need some more, I need some more. And it just depends on, on, on that individual. Hmm. It, it really does. What drug is the uh, famous hero's dose? What is that used with? Um, hero's dose can be used with anything. Because I've heard of like in psychedelics. Hero's, hero's dose is you just open it up and let you do maybe three, four, five times. The amount. The amount that normal would. Um, let's talk about LSD. It scares the hell out of me personally. I've only done LSD twice. That is a, that is a medicine and a molecule that on a tab is usually what about 100 milligrams right maybe 110 milligrams the timothy learys in the 60s type people did 500 600 700 milligrams at a time they may be in for 24 hours or 36 hours when you turn that thing on you cannot you cannot turn off lsd it is it is a direct connection to something in a higher dimension and you just can't turn that off i don't i'm I'm not interested in that right i've done it yeah and, and, and i i actually met a guy um, who, who had gone to a party drinking and he had thought he was getting 500 milligrams, ended up getting 1500 milligrams <laughs> of LSD and he was in it for three and a half days oh and, and was completely traumatized PTSD. Right. And so because of that, because of that, couldn't get out of it for, for three and a half days. I'm not in, that's a hero's dose plus, plus, plus. Yeah. Right. For, so, so for me, I would say everyone's tolerance is a little bit different. I think for me to do as much medicine work that I've done, I'm definitely kind of a super psychonaut. Um, I have a different metabolism. I can handle this stuff. Right. I, I don't know why I can, I don't know how I can, but I do. And I do it quite often and I'm fine. Now, what are your thoughts on, you know, it's, it, it seems it's well on its way to being uh, legal in California, like the microdosing craze. You got your housewives now eating the chocolate bars and the gummies. It's become in vogue. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on microdosing in general? I think today's modern society is just overload saturation with input. And I think, you know, the reason the psychedelics and these medicines are back with a vengeance is because traditional mental health, you know, um, psychiatric medications don't work. You know, they numb you out, you, 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 uh, Adderall, you know, I mean, there's a whole, there's a whole portfolio of, you know, psychiatric drugs that just make the situation worse and people don't get better, right? They just numb them out. So in the proper context, like we said, in the proper dosages with the right amount of integration, with the right amount of, um, you know, in spiritual intent, I think microdosing is excellent. I think working with MDMA or working with these medicines is great, but it's just a tool and a technology, right? It's just something, if it can help you get through and just with the, with a little low level of uh, effect that gives you greater awareness and you have a little bit, you know, you're not triggered. What's wrong with that? This is a crazy fucking world right now. And it's not seeming to end. Right. I mean, it's, it's always like another thing that they're coming at us with and it's overload for most people and people are struggling. So I think, um, I understand why it's back. I think you just have to have, um, proper awareness, proper, um, be radically honest with yourself on what you're, what you're using this stuff yeah. for and um, keep yourself in check. But I think, 
I think they're they're really important. Again, tools and technologies. Are, uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with you too. That like I think people have gotten a lot more hip. It used to be if it, it's from a doctor, it's okay. And after what the opioid epidemic epidemic has done to our country, I think people are are getting wiser to it. You know. Um, is, is there a situation, or have you encountered people? that have come and maybe reached out to you or someone you knew uh, about doing this, like taking a first step toward using these medicines that you looked at, maybe learned a little bit about their situation and were like, eh, I don't know if this is right for you. I mean, is there a yes. scenario? Okay. Can you tell um, me like who, like what kind of personality or situation would that well, they for, fall into? Yeah. First and foremost, it would just be somebody that physically, right. You know, if you have a heart condition, Right. You know, these things will raise your heart rate. I don't need somebody having a cardiac arrest when we give them MDMA or, um, you know, uh, Bufo, 5-MeO-DMT or Ibogaine. Right. You know, so being medically screened, I've turned people down for that. Um, what, what I've learned in time, um, I've had people who did the medicines when I was first learning because I apprenticed with a group of people for probably seven to eight months before I started serving on my own. And here are some mistakes that I made. I served people solo and when I should have had a co-facilitator with me. Well, weird things can happen when it's just you and the person, right? And so I've had people come back and say later, well, this is what happened. This is what you did. And I'm like, that's not what happened. And so then I've had to defend that. Right, right. right? And so that's, that's a really slippery slope and tricky. And looking back, I said, Maybe I shouldn't have served that person that medicine, or maybe I, I should have had more backup, right? So um, one of my experiences has been um, just making sure I, I always have somebody with me when we are serving for all kinds of reasons, legal protection, um, physical protection, health protection, medical, all of that. I haven't had anybody die. We didn't have to call the 911 on anybody, but I know other facilitators that that has happened to. Um, so somebody that's really high strung, maybe somebody who's a, you know, has any type of cluster B personality traits, personality disorders, any type of schizophrenia, they're not candidates for this stuff at all because you're going to open them up and they may not be able to put themselves back together and they're going to blame you. So I now don't do big serving of people. <laughs> I've got a real career. I've got real things I got to get done. Uh -huh. I use this for my own benefit, but there are key individuals, a couple of people that, you know, uh, that I do will still work with and sit with. Um, it's kind of like teach the teacher or train the trainer. Right. Does that make sense? Does that help you? Does that help your question? Yeah, no, yeah. I, uh, I mean, is there, and then you personally, so do you continue to use these medicines? I mean, I, I, I do. Okay. I do. And do you use a facilitator as well when you do it? Or I do. You... I very rarely anymore will I do solo work. I used to do solo work a lot and I got in trouble a couple of times. I did, um, a mushroom, um, brownie mm -hmm. that had all kinds of adaptogens and stuff. And it only had three and a half grams in, uh, in it of, of uh, psilocybin and had some other stuff. And I'm, uh, and, and I'm like, I've done a hero's dose of 12 grams of mushrooms so far. Yeah, no big deal. I could do this. I had a Friday afternoon. I was like, hey, how's my, you know, I, I've got to open, I was looking at my time. Okay. It's four in the afternoon. I don't really have anything to do tonight. And tomorrow's okay. Let's do some work. I ate this whole brownie 
and it's like four o'clock and I just lay down and I'm in my bed and I put on some headsets and I put on, you know, I'm listening to some kind of flute music from India and just kind of chilling and the medicine started to come on, you know, within 45 to 50 minutes. And I'm like, okay, this is good. And then another 15 minutes is getting a little bit more intense. <laughs> another, another 15 more minutes, it's getting more intense and I'm expecting it to stabilize. It doesn't stabilize. It's still it just, climbing. It's still climbing. <laughs> I'm going faster. I'm going faster. I'm going faster. And I'm like, holy F. And what happened was I would close my eyes and it looked like I was in 5D Samadhi. I don't know if you know what Samadhi is, but Samadhi is kind of this state of you're in the God, you're in God consciousness, you're in the Godhead, right? Uh -huh. Where it's all just like, uh, um, like a, like a, like a category five hurricane and you're in it and it's just going, it's just swirling. It's, just, it's fire and it's white and it's light. And it's just like, what the, the fuck? I open my eyes and I see the same thing. And I close my eyes and I see the same thing. And I open my eyes and I see the same thing. And I actually had to call. I had to call my fiance, who's now she was just a friend. And she she has experience in the, in she's, the field she's, too. Yeah, she, she she's a she's a psychotherapist and she's ketamine trained and MDMA trained. They're just made for each other. See, yeah. in that story, <laughs> but she rescued me. My point is, she rescued me. She's like, she's like, what time did you go in? I said four o'clock. And she's like. She started laughing. She goes, "Oh, you're in it for another three and a half, four hours." Oh. And I'm like, "So she came down and and but it got scary for me because I was getting tired. I was getting tired. Like I literally had to just kind of sit at the at the table and just grasp the table and just keep breathing because I do know this. This is really critical for all medicine work. As long as the person is breathing, you're going to be okay." but we can get lulled into this really quiet inner, inner calm place and stop breathing. And it just kind of lets you go. And I've almost, I've almost, that's been me too. I've, I've had to been rescued a couple of times working with medicine to keep breathing. Otherwise I would have been, I would have left, I would have gone. So I was, I was afraid during this mushroom chocolate bar scenario, just like I was getting tired. That sounds like a nightmare, dear. No, it does. It sounds like a nightmare. I don't think anything about that sounds enjoyable. It, it wasn't. But what it did, I almost felt like it was a, like afterward, I had this feeling of, okay, motherfucker, this was a lesson for you. Yeah. You know, this I, was a lesson and respect the medicines and, and make sure you have somebody with you if you do decide to do that. Okay. I, I have, I know three different people that all, they all kind of have the same reason for doing Ibogaine, it was always uh, someone in their life that was that had passed away, that it was un unresolved things in their relationship. One was a father, another was mom, and another was brother. And uh, these people aren't on earth anymore. They chose to do Ibogaine, and and it gets and it was from what they told me. They just said it was gnarly. They went in, they had conversations with these people while they were in, resolved things, but, but said, like, none of them were like, it was the best. They, every, all three were like, it was, dude, it was exhausting and gnarly. But it seemed to have helped all three of them, too, come to, like, a, a closure with this. Yeah, I, I don't know if you need just Ibogaine to do that with, with the medicine work. I will say there, in my experience, there are there are two apex medicines. There's there's two that are like at the top of the food chain, top of the pyramid. One is Bufo, which is the 5-MeO-DMT, because literally you are 
you're blasted within within 10 to 15 seconds of smoking it and holding your breath and it, it going out into your brain. You're blasted right into God consciousness. You're, you're literally having a near-death experience. And it's pretty amazing and beautiful and wild and scary and fun and it's it's wild. The other the other apex medicine is ibogaine. So think ayahuasca times 10, times 20, times 30. It is this African bark root that comes from the pygmy culture. And when you take it, it uh, it's really nasty and bitter. And they give you like spoonfuls of it. And you have to do it. You must do this medicine in a retreat setting. And you'll do it like on a Saturday night and a Monday. So you do it twice in four and a half days. And it, it takes you, Ibogaine is the deep clean. I believe it has over like 30 alkaloids that are in it. And it knows, like most of these medicines, it knows how to go into your body. It finds out what you need. They don't know all the work that it does. It's such a deep clean. And you're kind of in this asleep, awake, trance state for 15, 16, 17 hours. And they're playing this Bowiti music because it's the Bowiti tribe, B-W-I-T-I. And it's like this really fast kind of like the whole time. And you're just like frazzled. But it it's a mental cleaning. It's a spiritual cleaning. It, it is a deep cleanse. Some people defecate. You, you, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever done. Um, I've only done it once. I would do it again, but it's the apex for sure. Once again, that does not sound enjoyable. <laughs> like, I don't think there's anything. I mean, even, well, maybe, hey, maybe opiates. So, 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 yeah. so, so, so let, me, let me just say this. For each person... You need to ask yourself, how's my life going? And if you're happy with how things are, then do more of that. You don't need to do any of this stuff. If you are right there and you know, like, hey, I'm happy with my finances. I'm happy with my relationships. I'm happy with myself. I'm happy with my career. You know, I hear that little voice in my head and I'm cool with it. And I'm good with my maker and I can look myself in the mirror and it's all good. Keep doing more of that. If you feel that you're suffering or you have a need or you want to expand or you're being called to something else. These again, Chris, are just tools and technologies to help you along the way. That's how I see it. They're not, they're, they're not party situations in any possible way. Is there, so when you bring that up, I mean, I, and I was going to ask you like people listening, like if they, you know, people are thinking about this, they're unhappy, but they, I mean, you brought up like finances. So I get like, you know, unresolved, you know, relationship issues or people passing that you wish, you know, you would have said something beforehand and trying to, you know, uh, find a resolution with that. But like, even, I mean, things like, I, I don't like where my career is. I don't like, you know, my financial situation. These medicines can help with those situations. I believe they can because all happiness, right? This is where it gets spiritual. This is where, where I've had to become a lot more, again, non-duality means it's all oneness, it's all God, it's, you know, what is reality? Reality is is God expressing experience in itself and you're part of that, you know, and, and it goes down this path uh, and the medicines kind of help with that and they help, they help dissolve the ego and the ego is the cause of all suffering because the ego looks for happiness outside of yourself and all happiness is within yourself. And so then it's kind of, what did Jesus say? What did Buddha say? You know, what did the ascended masters say? Um, you're created by God. You're, there is a divine plan for you. 
And if you turn it all over to God, to your higher consciousness, your spirit, it knows exactly what you need. And so that's where, for me personally, the medicines have helped me turn it over and have that faith and ask for God's help. Again, tools and technologies. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into shaman wars. I'm not going to talk about the spirit, you know, the medicine of ayahuasca or the spirit of ayahuasca or Jarema or, you know, so many other things that are out there. That's just what it's done for me. And, um, I, I now have personal faith and more confidence in my relationship with, with God. And I ask for God with help with everything. And it just magically has just gotten better and better and better and better. But again, for you personally, and this is all individual, if you're happy with where things are in your life and this is good, this is good. All yeah. right. So I think the message we got today is if you want to, if you, if you aren't feeling completely, if you're, if you're curious about it, you, I, hopefully you heard enough on here to do it. Well, and so to, to touch on that, if someone's out there, they want to explore this, like, what would you recommend? Where should they go? Is there places that they could, you know? Yeah. So let's go back to like the four criteria. First of all, do your homework, do your research, go into prayer. What should I do? And things will start to come to you. But remember, here's the facilitator. Who is the facilitator? Get references, find out what their experience is, find out, meet them, talk to them. You know, is it a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a high integrity person? Does, if somebody's telling you that they're like a, a they're the Messiah or <laughs> it's all about them. It's not all about yeah. them. That's not the person you want to work with. Right. Um, you want somebody who can facilitate and not take over, like to be like the, the, the shaman or guru of your life. Right. That's, that's number one. Number two, what's the setting you're going to do this stuff in, right? What kind of music do they use? Like what's the setting? And then, um, yeah, setting music. Oh, just the medicine itself. Right. You know, if this, yeah. if, if this is, if, if this is something that sounds intriguing, it sounds right. You're being called to it. Start small. I would say start small with psilocybin and I would say start small with MDMA and, 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 and go up from there. There have been people that jumped right into Ibogaine, right? There's people Oof. that have jumped right into five MEO DMT. Um, I, I actually have done, I'm okay with that, but I would just say for the mass majority of people start, start easy. And MDMA is a really lovely gentle medicine to start with um, hmm. well michael i appreciate you i mean this answered a lot of questions i've been super i mean curious about this i mean the last few years you know i've been reading about it and just different ways to like the ketamine for using you know medicinal purposes and and helping you know people dealing with their trauma um, that it's been a resource for them and I, you know, yeah, let, let me just say, so there, there's two aspects that the medicines do from a psychological, from a neurophysical or neurological perspective. There's two components here. There's, there's two things. One is called neuroplasticity, right? Neuroplasticity means, um, you're rewiring your neurocircuitry and the medicines. And this is what I like about MDMA or, or most of these things is if you've got trauma, and it was maybe you were abused as a kid, which most people were, you know, or you were raped or who knows what the hell happened to you. That trauma is so hardwired in your brain. It's literally neurocircuitry. No amount of praying is my experience. Hypnosis, Tony Robbins, you know, um, goal setting, 
is going to break some of this trauma. And some of this trauma is self-sabotage. Like it's, it's, it's like you're, 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 you're stuck in patterns that are, that, are, that are sabotaging you for all kinds of reasons. The medicines can break it, right? They can get inside that neurocircuitry and break it and dissolve it and help you grow new neural pathways, right? That's the neuroplasticity and all the research is saying that. The other thing is neurogenesis. A neurogenesis means it is the growing of new brain cells, right? So you can literally rewire your mind. If you want to change your life, you got to rewire your mind. And this, this is one way to do it. I think it's a pretty good way, but it, it's got to have guardrails and you've got to have your eyes wide open. And I think that's why, I, I think that's why these molecules and these technologies are back with a vengeance because people are, there's a mental health crisis out there. They're suffering. They're, they're, they're confused. They're overwhelmed and it's intense and it's getting worse. And so there's hope. So tune in, drop out. <laughs> And listen to Pink Floyd's Dark Side <laughs> of the Moon is what I got from this, Chris. <laughs> Johnny, I'm, I'm quitting this podcast. <laughs> uh, Michael, thank you very much. You guys are thank the best. You. I appreciate you. Thanks <laughs> for your time. <laughs> thank hope you. That, uh, hope it helped. <laughs>
actually about a week ago when Jamie brought it to my attention, uh, about The Hanger, a documentary. It's called uh, Tustin Hangers, Titans of History. It is about 26 minutes long. And it's just on YouTube. It's online. And I, it was commissioned by the city of Tustin about their hangers. And it's actually great. I mean, they have footage of them being built back in the 1940s for like World War II. And also, I was not even aware that that was a functioning. I mean, I knew it was a functioning, you know, Air Force uh, base. But I didn't realize they were still using it up until like 1996, um, which is crazy to me. I had no idea. Uh, but it's great. It's on YouTube. Tustin Hangers, Titans of History. If you have have driven by those hangers and have any desire Can't miss to them. learn about their history. And they're fucking made of wood, which. Never knew that. Yeah. Never knew that. Freaking crazy. But anyway, that's what I'm recommending. What do you got? Hey, Peanut. Did your dog? My dog? You my rescue his, dog? Your dog are just you knocked gonna, my, my mic over. Are you going to yell at my rescue dog? I would never yell at Peanut. Dude, he is a special needs dog. <laughs> he is a special needs you dog. You can hear him right now. He's all... <laughs> <laughs> cute all right. little French bulldog. Oh, yeah. He's the best. Okay. Uh, this actually... This recommendation came from Big Brother Billy that he he's, saw this TV show in the article. It is... Um, Colin from Accounts. It's on Paramount Plus. Oh yeah, you were telling me about it, that. The I guess the Economist, e- e- Economist, e- the magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Economist. It, they wrote an article of like top fifty TV shows to watch this year, and like number one was Barry, number two was The Bear, and number three was Colin from Accounts. So it's like, well, that's very good company to be in, enough to for me to check it out, and loved it. Like it's based in. Uh, Show's based in Sydney, Australia. So they're all like Australian actors. Oh man, that's the thing. I don't like Australia. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's, here's like if you go on IDMB, it says Ashley and Gordon, two single ish complex humans who are brought together by a car accident and an injured dog. Uh, flawed by, fa- flawed, funny, choosing each other over being brave enough to show their true selves and navigate life together. Now, the vibe I get, so they're thrown together. There's an incident that happens where he's driving across the street, and he stops and then starts to go again, stops, and then she ends up flashing her boob at him, like, on the crosswalk. And he's like, what? Go on. He's go- he goes, what? He ends up running over a poor dog, like the back legs. So then, they, he, so then he stops and said, hey, that wouldn't happen if you didn't show your boob. And so they're in the vet, and the vet says, you know, that spine was crushed. Uh, so it has to be one of those dogs now that has the hind legs on a p- set of wheels. Yeah. So constant, so now they're taking care of this dog together, and you can see the uh, sparks starting to fly, and they're really funny. She's in med school. He has his own microbrewery in Sydney, and it's, it's that dark sense of humor that Mr. In Between had. So hold on, was it? So is he, if he has a microbrewery, what's the name come from? Colin from a county. I have no idea. I'm not. I, I would think he would be from a county. I, I guess not. I, it hasn't come up yet, or I, I'm, right. or I'm All just, right. or I'm just, I'm just not quick on the uptake. I don't know. But great show. Like I said, it gives me that. It gives me. 
that little void that was left when uh, Mr. In Between went off the air. Oh yeah. This was... is this is filling it, and it's on Thursday nights on Paramount Plus. The first five episodes are out right now. I believe those seasons are like eight episodes, and I, I heard it's already been renewed for season two. Gotcha. All right. Okay, so Billy comes through again, and Billy hasn't seen a single episode. Any recommending? He pulled the Johnny. He pulled... <laughs> I don't know. I have not read this book, but <laughs> I'm going to recommend it. Okay. So the uh, the song I'm going to take you out with today is, um, you know, if you're friends with me, you know that my son goes to Academy of Performing Arts in Huntington Beach. He is now in his own. He has his own band called Roof on Fire. That he's, that he's doing with former students and students that still go to APA. He showed oh, me... How many people are in the band? There's like, I think, five of them. Okay, okay. He, uh, and he's been going, like, his bass, his bass player, this kid that's like 19, uh, former graduate of APA, he dates a girl in this other band, and they were all formed, they were all former APA Academy of Performing Arts students, and they are called the anti-groupies and they have a huge following in long beach now it's an all-girl band and they rip dude think of like the donna's or the or the linda linda linda's and but these are all like super talented you can see when they play that they're all super talented like music school performers gotcha and they rip and they have uh, three songs out on itunes and spotify right now and the one i chose with good introduction for it is Social Battery by the Anti-Groupies. Go check them out. All right. <laughs> 